If you have your Bibles, grab them quickly. Flip to Daniel chapter three. I do have a word for you this morning. Amen. I don't know, I about just said, let's continue worship. I was real close. I was like, I was like Jesus, if this is what you want, this is what we'll do. There's nothing better than his, his presence, amen. See, the word is so important because the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It, it leads us to Jesus. We are conformed into the image and likeness of Christ through his word, through his spoken words. And that's why it's important to, to get his word written on the tablets of our hearts, amen. Amen, to allow God's word to read us instead of we reading it, amen. Not sure the grammar was correct there, but amen. My wife will rebuke me later. Here we go. Daniel chapter three starts in verse eight and it says, therefore at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They, they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. They are in a Babylonian exile this time. Over the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Verse 19 says this, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times more than it was ever heated before. And he ordered that some of his mighty men of his army would bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into this burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed the men who had taken Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your word. And I pray right now that your spirit that brings wisdom and revelation would touch each and every one of our hearts so that by the end of this day, Lord, we, we've come closer to you. We look more like you. Transform us in this moment through your word, I pray. I pray that right now. Let every heart be opened, every ear let them hear what the Spirit is saying. And I pray, Lord, that I would decrease so that your Spirit would increase so that the words that I speak today, God, would, would go straight to the hearts of men and women, I pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are in our lives. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Listen, before you're seated, hug three people. Tell them this. Say, Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. Tell them, Jesus is for you. Amen. What's up, CWC? How y'all doing today? Are you good? Come on, if you're good, shout, I'm good. Amen. Amen. I like the response. Glory to God. You guys seem super engaged today, which I super appreciate. Amen. 
I feel super because you're super engaged. Like, no, but. So look, man, we, we started a new scene last week that we titled Exiled. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say, don't get exiled. Tell them, don't get exiled. <laughs> we started it exiled. In the first episode in this new scene, we, we talked about sin. We talked about how the wages of sin is, is death. How when we practice sin, we become a slave to sin. That when we live a sinful lifestyle, we will reap what we have sown. That's what the Bible teaches. And so that's what we want to, to learn from and glean from and to, to live according to his, his word. If we live a life pursuing a, a life for this earth, for this world, then scripture says we will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, that's what it says. And, and what we did was, is we tied that to the Assyrian exile, right? This is what the people of God are experiencing against the hand of the Assyrians. The reason they are experiencing this exile is because of their sinful deeds, because of how they were living their life. They were worshiping foreign gods and, and they were living a life against the commandments of God. And so what did God have to do? He had to, to remove them from their promise. He had to, to exile them. And do you know what that shows us? What this shows us is, th is this, that God is more concerned with your soul than he is with your happiness. Ouch, right? like burn. He, he's more concerned with your soul than he is with, with your happiness. He's more concerned with your spiritual state than he is your emotional state. I'm not saying he doesn't care about your emotional state. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's more concerned though with your, with your soul. See, if, if that wasn't so, if that wasn't the truth, right? Then when the people of God sinned against God, he would have just blessed them anyway. He'd have just left them in their sin. He would have just left them in, the, in their promise. He would have continued to, to, to bless their lives and so that they could continue to be happy. They could continue to be happy so that their emotional state stayed leveled up. That's a new word these days, level up. Level up yourself, I guess, is what the pop culture says. But your emotional state, if, if, if he was only concerned with your happiness and not with your soul, then he would leave you right where you are and continue to bless you in the midst of, of what you are doing. See, he would have left these, these people, the people of God, to serve these foreign gods. He would have just let them, let them live that way with, without any consequences. But because that isn't the case, when his people started to practice sin, he had to remove them from their their promise, which by the way, is the grace of God on full display. It's the grace of God on full display. See, scripture says this, that the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father would discipline his son or his daughter, whom he delights in, is what the word of God says. Saying this, that those that he disciplines shows you if you're a son or not. That's what it showed you. I promise you, if your kid's at my house, I won't discipline your kid. I wouldn't do it. I'll discipline my own though, because he, he, he's mine, right? See, see, his correction over you is showing you that you're his, his daughter, that you're his. And he delights in you, so he, he disciplines you. He does that because he's way more concerned with your soul than he is your happiness. And listen, that's a hard pill to swallow, especially here in America. It's so, so hard to, to, to swallow, man, because we, we, we live our best lives now. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's another problem. I'm giving you pop culture today like crazy, right? Like, 
Live your best life now. See, it's all about our immediate gratification and satisfaction, whatever. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, when I get excited, I got to somehow calm myself down. Praise the Lord. I'm up here. Hallelujah. But we're more concerned with, in America with right now, right in this, this moment, how we feel today where we're headed today, what's going on in our lives today, what, what, are, we, what are we up against today? We're we inundated with this, with this idea that, that the most important thing is how we feel, how we feel. And, and because that's what we are, are, are constantly told, man, we get all these schemes, these get rich schemes and these swipe right sites so we can, we can get who we want in the moment that we want it and we can get what we want in the moment that we, we want it. It's all about right now in, in, our, in our culture and in our time. And because that's our culture, we have a culture littered with drug addiction, alcoholism, pornographic establishment. This is what litters our, our culture because we want the quick fix. We, we want what we think might make us happy, what, what, what seems to, to make us feel good in the moment that we, that we want to feel good. But see, God, God has the long game in mind. Did you know that? Amen. He has the long game in mind. Whereas we, a lot of the times, have the short game in mind. The, the immediate, the, the right now, the, the, the live your best life right now. The, this, the, this idea that your truth is truth, this universalism of truth, so, so that everybody feels good about where they're at in life. Well, it's cool if it makes you feel good, then go for it, buddy. No, 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 that's not what, what the Bible says. The word of God says that he tells us what is good. He does. He tells us how to live our lives. Scripture says to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. This is how God tells us to live. Scripture says to meditate on his word day and night. Get it written on the tablets of your heart so that if you do that, if you meditate on his word day and night, keep his commandments, then life will go well for you. If. It's a big if. See, see God's way more concerned. Way more concerned with your soul than your happiness. But, but here's the thing, right, that, that is so true that people don't like to, to say. Did you know that, that sin feels good sometimes? <gasps> like what? Pastor, you're horrible. Sin feels good sometimes. That's why scripture says that it's pleasurable for a season. That's what it, that's what it says, right? If it didn't make us feel good, if it didn't make us happy, there would be no reason to talk against it if you're God. No reason to warn us about it. God's word wouldn't tell us to resist it and refrain from it and to, to do all we can to, to stay away from it. The church does a disservice by talking about sin as if eh, it always feels bad. You'll just feel horrible if you sin, honey. This is how we, we treat it. And, and because that's the way we treat it, we find people falling into it. Because like, well, if it's always bad, I feel good right now. So it must not be sin. Hey, it must not be. See, but, but sin is pleasurable for a season. It's pleasurable for a season because it does feel good at times. It does. I mean, think about this. When I'm in my car, right, and I'm driving, praise the Lord, and some knucklehead cuts me off, cuts me off in the middle of traffic, I promise you, in that moment, I feel like telling him he's number one, not with my pointing finger, but with the other finger. You know what I'm talking about? And that would be sin, right? But it would feel good in that moment when people come and they're acting like fools, and I just want to shout in their face, stop acting like a fool, right? Like, it would feel good in the moment. It would feel, it would feel good. 
on the days when I'm going through really hard things in my life, right? And I really don't feel like praying. I know that sounds way crazy that I should always be praying, which I should, by the way. But, but on those days when I feel really bad and things are going hard, I don't feel like praying. I'd probably rather start saying things I shouldn't be saying because sin in that moment feels good. It feels good. I'm just going to be real with you. This is, this is real life. This is real talk, man. If we can't be open and real here, where can we be? Where can we be? But see, the voice of truth says a different story. It tells a completely different story. Jesus says, crucify your flesh daily. See, in those times, it would feel good to yell at people and, and act, like a, act like a knucklehead myself. It may feel good in that moment, but Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, son, and follow me. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. This is what God's word tells us, to not allow any perverse language or talk exit our lips. This is God's word. He says, this is what is good. This is justice. This is loving kindness. This is walking humbly before your God, not doing what makes you feel good. Sin's pleasurable for a season. That's when, man, we need, we need his spirit to guide us into all truth. More than ever in those times when we think this sin is going to make me, me feel good. We, we need his spirit to strengthen us in the midst of our feelings to, to wanna sin. It's just, it's just true. And if we always talk about just sin is just so horrible, then, then it can creep in a lot easier than saying, hey, beware. Sometimes sin does feel good. If we talk about it in another light, then next thing you know, we're, we're in it and don't even realize it. And here's the thing. If we, if, if we don't understand that sometimes, sometimes walking by faith and not by sight is harder. It's harder than living however it makes me feel good. Practicing my righteousness at times stinks. I'll be real honest. It stinks sometimes. And I need the spirit of God to strengthen me in those areas and say, no, son, I know it hurts. I know it's hard. I know that would be easier to get into your flesh. I know it would, but I got something better for you. I got the, I got the long game for you. But because that's the reality, sin, sin makes us feel that way, right? Man, we find ourselves in seasons where we're in sin. And it's then where we need the grace of God through discipline to tell us, hey, repent. Turn from what you're doing, turn from it, and come and follow me. Amen. Amen. But this is where the people of God are in Isaiah, in this Assyrian exile. Okay, we'll get back to our story. Amen. But this is where they are. They're, they're living in sin. And because of their sin, God has to discipline them. He has to remove them from their, their, their promise. Until one day, they decide to cry out before God. They decide to, to ask for forgiveness and they decide to, to repent and ask for God's protection. And I love it because his faithfulness is true, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. That's exactly what this story shows you, that he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of all unrighteousness the moment that we call on his name. Because all who call on the name of the Lord shall what? Be saved. Be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord. And so in the moment that his people begin to cry out to him in 2 Kings chapter 19, God shows up and fights for them. Because Jesus is for you. Touch your neighbor, say Jesus is for you. Remind them, tell them. And, and you know what that, that tells us? This is what it tells us. That no matter how far we run, no matter how far we fall, we're never out of his reach. 
We're never too far out of his, his reach. And you know, several years ago when Jules and I uh, took over being pastors here, we were praying, we were asking God, God, give us a, a, a mantra, if you will. Give us a, a saying that we could, we could say to describe who we are and what we do here at, at CWC, the, the, the type of culture we're going to have. And he gave me a three line saying, does it matter what you've done? Does it matter where you've been? It only matters who you serve, that's it. That's the only thing that matters. Because every place we've been, everything we've done, everything we do before him, the moment that we call on him, he shows up and brings us to where he is. He shows up for us and he redeems us and restores us. He's a, a redeeming God, a gracious God. See, he's come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus said, I come for the sick, not the healthy. I came for the unrighteous, not the righteous. That's who I came for. I came for those who, who understand that they're broken and they, they need me. See, he came to give us life and life more abundantly, to give us victory in him and through him. That's why Christ came. And we see that truth throughout the story of the, of the Israelites. We see God's faithfulness and his grace, even though they would mess up ton and ton and ton. God continued to show up on their, their behalf. And so after God delivers them from the hand of the Assyrians, right, they... They, they remember him and they give their lives to him, which is, which is good. They, they do that. However, after some time goes by, after a few years goes by and everything gets better in their life, we see this happening so often in people's lives. After, after they come and God starts to restore their lives, starts to restore marriages, then they stop coming because they think everything is okay and they forget what God has done. And the next thing you know, their marriages are back in shambles. This is what happens because the enemy is a liar. He's a thief. But this is what we see in the life of, of the Israelites, man. They, they forget what God had done. And because they had forgot what God had done, they begin to living a life against him. Again, Again, they find themselves living according to sin, according to what felt good now in the moment that they were in. See, this is why I'm constantly reminding you up here to remember what God has done. Not just reminding you, by the way, reminding myself. Remember where God has, has brought you from because if you don't and you forget where he's brought you from, you'll start to live a life against him. It's just a natural a natural human nature, fleshly thing that occurs in our lives. This is why we gotta remember what he's done. And so anyway, they forgot, all right? The Assyrians, God rescues them. They forget several years, several, several years later. And now God has to discipline them again. This time, instead of the Assyrians, it's the Babylonians. It's the Babylonian exile this time. According to the prophet Jeremiah, it lasted 70 years years, this Babylonian exile. For 70 years, they had to be removed from their promise. This was the discipline because they, they, they wouldn't listen. They, they, they wouldn't repent, right? And here's the thing about God. He's so gracious. He's so faithful. He raises up all these different prophets throughout this, this story, leading up to the exile. And during the exile, he raises up all these different prophets to, to try to warn his people, to try to tell his people, listen, you are getting off knock it off, repent, and turn to me. And you know, that's what I found what God does throughout my life, constantly warning me. He constantly tries to warn us before we get off the path he set for us. He's constantly trying to put stop signs in my life, right? Wanting me not to blow through it and run into oncoming traffic. 
always trying to warn us because he loves us and he doesn't want us to go through what sin will put us through if we, if we follow it. Trying to get our attention over and over and over and over. Stop what you are doing. And this is what happens to the Israelites in this time. Stop what you're doing through all these different prophets, these prophetic voices. He's trying to tell them to repent and turn from their ways and turn towards him, but they, they wouldn't listen. They had forgotten. So now they're living a life against, against God. And he has to send them into another, another exile, the Babylonian exile. And in Daniel chapter three, we find these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, by the way, has, has actually real names. These were their given names by the Babylonians. I had a guy one time, I was telling this story, and, and after he was really upset that I didn't use the real names. And I'm like, my bad, dude. I've learned, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as a little dude. So it's, I don't think God's upset with me. I mean, it's in his word. But, but his real name, but their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay? And the Babylonians give them new names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to call them that anyway. So don't be mad or offended at me. If you are, it's okay. But these three men, they have a friend named Daniel. Okay? They have a friend named Daniel. And Daniel's a prophet, man. God speaks to Daniel in in profound ways through visions and dreams and all these different things to to warn his people and to encourage his people, but also to help them get ahead in Babylon even, to to give them, he's blessing them even in the exile, which is amazing by God, by the way. He's even blessing them there. But he's giving him all these, these words to, to help them get through where they're at. So, so when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they arrive at Babylon, scripture says that they were taken in to the king's court. They were taken into the king's court to learn the Babylonian ex, uh, culture, okay? Which really, it was an assimilation camp. They're learning the language. They're learning the culture. They're learning the literature. They're trying to, to assimilate them into the Babylonians, trying to get them to to live this way. And it says this, that the chief of the eunuchs came and said to these, these young men, you will eat the food and drink the drink that the king has established for you. So, so in other words, you're gonna do what we tell you to do. You're gonna go where we tell you to go and you're going to follow where we tell you to go. This is what you're gonna do. And scripture says that these young men refused. They refused. They said, no, 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 no. Please allow us to only eat vegetables and drink water. See, they were separating themselves unto God. This is what they're doing, which by the way, is where the church has adopted the Daniel fast. If you've ever heard that terminology, this is where it comes from. And so they, they, they say to the chief of the eunuchs, they say, hey, listen, let us do it for 10 days, just 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, evaluate us. Evaluate how we did, evaluate our appearance, evaluate um, our wisdom and see where we're at. And if we are better than the rest of those that are around us, if we look better, if we learn better, if we, if we know all these things that we've been taught better than them, then continue to let us separate ourselves unto to God, to only eat vegetables and drink water. And, and God gave them favor during this time, gave them a ton of favor so that they advanced more than anyone else in the camps. And something that you have to understand here that is taking place is the Babylonians are trying to get these young men to do what they were doing, to live how they were living, try to get them to go along with the culture they were currently facing. 
trying to get them to do what they were telling them to do instead of following God. This is what is trying to take place. And listen, it would not have been easy if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. It wouldn't have been easy to do. I mean, I mean think about this. While everyone else is eating, drinking, and partying, they're praying and fasting. This is what is happening in this story. And you know what it shows us? It shows us this, that young people, I'm a little older than a young person anymore. I can't like include myself in that, but I will anyway for today, just for argument's sake. Us young people, <laughs> it's telling us this, that man, God has called us to follow him now, right now. God's called teenagers to follow him in this time and in this season. Did you know Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were 13 to 17? This is how old these kids are. They're kids, they're babies. And they aren't just following what culture is telling them to follow, they're following God. It's incredible. Showing those of, of you who are teenagers, you don't have to wait till you're older to follow God. You can set the precedent right now while your friends are out partying and drinking and doing all these other things. You can be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, setting the standard of the culture instead of following the standard of the culture. And I will guarantee you that if you live that kind of life before God, the presence of God and the favor of God will shower you in such a way, it'll be so profound that everybody will see it and notice it. Every single person. So this is what's happening. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, these, these, young, these young boys, these teenagers decide not to follow what culture was telling them to do, but instead follow God and what God was telling them to do. And I started to think about when I was a teenager, I started to remember back when, when I was a, a, a teenager. See, I, I didn't resist the peer pressure. I didn't follow God. I followed what everybody else was doing. I went where everybody else was, was going. When my friends were drinking, I was drinking. When my friends were drugging, I was drugging, if that's a word. If it didn't, we, we made it up, I promise you that. I did what everybody else was doing. I mean, because after all, I was just a boy. I was just a boy being a boy. And I'm just trying to have fun. I'm, I'm, I'm just a teenager, right? And teenagers, this is what, what teenagers do, okay? They, they go and experience life. And when they get older, they'll stop, they'll stop doing these, these things. When they get older, they'll start following God. This is what, what people would say to justify how we were living. This is what they would say. And look, as a teenager, man, I tell you, I love sports, by the way. I loved them. That's all I did was play sports my whole life to get to the, to, to the level to where I could have played at the next level. This was my goal, it was my dream. My friends and I, we, we dreamed about becoming athletes in college and we would always talk about going to the same schools together and playing ball together and partying together. We, we talked about all this, this stuff. I was just going and doing what everybody else was doing. This is what, this is what was happening. But here's the problem with that, right? Was eventually, Eventually what happened, my partying went from just on the weekends to every single day. That, that's what it eventually did. By my sophomore year, I was doing drugs every single day. By a sophomore in high school, just a kid, just a kid. I mean, I was just trying to have fun. Again, I was just a teenager. I'm just having a good, good time. By my senior year in high school, I just, I quit every sport. I quit it all. Said I wanna get high more. So started to run and, and do, again, I wasn't harming anybody. I was just having fun. 
I'm just a teenager. I'll figure it out as I get older. This was the, the thought process. This is what I was told actually by others. They would tell you, well, you'll grow out of it. That's what they'd say. You'll, you'll grow out of it one day. But see, listen to me. Sin is sin, church. Sin is sin. So whether you're 15 or you're 50, the wages of sin is death. And the enemy doesn't give a flying leap how old you are. He's no respecter of age or person. He doesn't care. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy the moment he can. But me, I thought it was a game. I thought I was just playing. I was just doing what everybody else was doing. By the age of 22 years old, I was addicted to heroin. By the age of 22, in and out of jail on a regular basis. In and out of jail, constantly. I OD'd on several different occasions in my life. The enemy was trying to take me out. At the height of my drug addiction, or at the worst of it, whatever way you want to say it. I was $300 a heroin every single day, every day. And I would do anything I could to get this drug, anything I could. Didn't matter, I'd do it. I was just doing what everybody else was doing. And now I'm, I'm in this thing bound and, and hurt. I'm just having fun, I'm just, I'm just a teenager. But see, the sin that I practiced as a teenager followed me into my adulthood. It didn't stay, like at 18, it just said, okay, I'm gonna let you go. The enemy wasn't like, 18, go ahead, man, you're cool. You're cool, go on, go have fun. No, no, no. It held me into my adult years and I was so bound by it and I was so enslaved to it because those who practice sin become a slave to sin. Enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy what God had for me, the life that I'm living now. He was trying to kill it before it got started. That's what he was doing. And up into my mid to late 20s, he was winning that battle. He was winning the battle. I had absolutely nothing to live for at all, nothing, nothing. And man, I used to think that my family, that my family didn't, didn't want me around, but it was actually quite the opposite. It was, they couldn't have me around. There's a difference between the two. And the reason they couldn't have me around is because I would lie, I would cheat. And I'm telling you, I would steal anything that I could get my hands on. If it wasn't nailed down, I was taking it to feed this addiction, this sin. I was so bad on the heroin that it, that it, it literally affected my whole body. I had an abscess growing out of my arms, size of softballs and golf balls all over me from this, this drug that was poisoning my, my body. Again, I was just a teenager. It just started when I was a teenager. I was just a kid. I was just having fun. It's not, it's not a big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll grow out of it. By my mid to late 20s, I'm $300 a heroin a day. And my family would say things like this, we can't have you around because we've gotta get used to living life without you because you're gonna die. That's what they'd say. You're gonna die because of what you've put your body through. See, I was in the fiery furnace of addiction. <laughs> I mean, in the, in the heart and the throes of, of this addiction. And it was trying to burn me alive. It was trying to, to burn me right where I was at. And here's the thing, right? I tried everything. I tried everything. We tried it all. We tried different medications to help get me off of it. Uh, my parents spent thousands and thousands of dollars sending me to all these different rehabs because they didn't want their son dealing with what I was dealing with. They, 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 were, they were hurting for their son. But none of it worked. None of it worked. Nothing. Not the self-help programs, not the 12-step programs, nothing nothing worked. And I can remember this one time, right? I was in a, in a rehab, okay? And, and the guy came out the, the director of the, of the program, he comes out and, and I thought he was about to give us a pep talk. You know what I mean? Like, let's go guys, let's do this, right? Let's get, let's get free from drugs. Well, 
He didn't. He came out and he said this. He said, only 1% of you are gonna get off of heroin. They were all heroin users in the, in the building. 50 of us. He said, only 1% will get off this drug because that was the statistic was 1% get off of heroin, that use heroin. Only 1%. Now I'm no mathematician and I'm no PhD in mathematics, but I start looking around and I'm counting the numbers, right? And I'm thinking, okay, so, so, so okay, 1% of 50 is 0.5. So how does a half of a person get free from drug addiction? I don't know how that works. So I really don't wanna sit around here and waste my time. I'm out of here. And so I, so I left and continued to struggle for multiple, multiple years. And you know, what's funny is because now when I look back on all those different secular programs, when I look back at all the things that I tried to do, I realized something. See, they, they couldn't give me what they didn't have to offer me. They were doing what they knew to do, but they, they, didn't, have, they didn't have freedom because they didn't have Jesus. See, scripture says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. Not who Dr. Bob sets free. Come on, somebody. Not that I'm, I'm slamming that. Not that I'm slamming that. For real, it's good. People, people do well with that. It's good. But only Jesus sets you free. He's the only one. He's the only one that offers freedom. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father. No one is washed free from sin and shame except through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. So these secular programs couldn't give me what they didn't have to offer me. Struggled for multiple years of addiction. And it all started when I was just a teenager. Just having fun. Just doing what everybody else was doing. And so I can remember late one night, late one night, I was sitting at my grandmother's on, on the toilet. I wasn't going to the bathroom, by the way. I was <laughs> TMI. <laughs> I wasn't going to the bathroom. I was sitting in the bathroom with the door locked and I had a needle full of heroin and I was getting ready to, to shoot up. Okay. And I was sitting there and I was bawling because I really didn't want to do this anymore. But, but I was bound, I was bound by it. I couldn't get free from it. And I, and I, remember, I remember crying and I, and I didn't know what to say. Now I'm a grown man at this time. I'm no longer a teenager. I'm a man. I'm, I'm in my mid to late 20s at this time. And I'm bawling. And I'm saying the only thing I could muster up because I didn't know how to pray. And I didn't know what to say. All I said was, Jesus, if you're real, I could use some help. <laughs> Jesus, I need you. That's all I could say. I was so broken. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of getting beat up. I was, tired of, I was tired of all this stuff. I mean, the drugs were so bad. I was so bad on this drug that it would wake me up in the middle of the night because of the sickness that would come upon me. Because this type of drug, what happens is, is after a few hours that you go without it, you become deathly ill. Like the worst case of the flu you've ever had. The worst case of the flu. And so in the middle of the night, right, I would, I would get up in the middle of the night to go, get, to go get high in order to go back to sleep. But man, I was so sick. So sick and tired of all this stuff. But, but then one night, it was different from any of the other nights in my life. It was completely different. See, that night, instead of my sickness waking me up, the voice of God woke me up. And it was just a couple days after I cried on the name of Jesus, just a couple days previously. The voice of the Lord came to me in my sleep. And said to me, and I'll never forget it. It was the closest thing to an audible voice I've ever heard God speak to me. He said, enough is enough. Satan has had his time. It is finished. Amen. That's literally what he said. That's what God said to me. And, and I got up under the power of the Holy Ghost. Now I was in a trance. I didn't know that was the power of the Holy Ghost at the time, right? I didn't know anything. 
I just didn't want to shoot dope no more. I didn't have a clue, right? But now looking back, the power of the Holy Spirit had me get up, take all the drugs that I just re-upped on that day, flush it down the toilet. Flush it all down the toilet and to never look back. To never go back to that life. And it's funny because after I give this testimony, which by the way, I just gave it on Saturday and I felt like the Lord wanted me to do it again here because there's some that's heard this obviously, but others that haven't. And God told me he wanted me to do it again. I said, cool, I love sharing my story, Lord. And you'll find out in just a second how this all ties together. But, but after I gave it the other day, you know, uh, a person came to me and they said, well, well, how do you know it was Jesus that spoke to you? <laughs> I love it. The cynics, praise the Lord. <laughs> the cynics in life. Men after my own heart. So, and all I can say is this, that when he speaks, you know. Amen. When he speaks to you, you know. You know why? Because there's no one like him. There's no one that sounds like him. There's no one as, as beautiful as him. There's no one as gracious as him. No one as powerful as him. No one as faithful as him. He, he's it. He's it. So the moment he spoke to me, I knew it was him. I knew it was him. He said, that is, that is it. And we flushed all the drugs down the toilet because whom the sun sets free is free indeed never to go back to that life ever again. Never to go back. And again, it all started when I was just a teenager. I was just a kid. I was just a kid. And I was sitting here thinking about this. I wish I would have been like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? I wish I'd have done that, man. I wish I'd have said, you know what? For me and myself, even as a teenager, I'm, I'm serving the Lord. I, I'm, not, I'm not following culture, but, but I didn't. But I, but I didn't do that. And see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they did. And because of that, the Lord gave them all this different favor because they separated themselves not to follow the culture. And in Daniel chapter three, what we read there is, is the king gives a decree about the, the idol that they're to worship. And if you don't worship this foreign God, we're gonna throw you into a fiery furnace and you're gonna be burnt alive. If you don't do what everyone else is doing, if you don't go where everyone else is going, then I'm going to, I'm gonna kill you. This is what it was. They didn't follow the culture. They were gonna get thrown into the furnace. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was up against. But see, they, they followed God instead of fearing man. They followed God instead of fearing man. And so they were able to stand strong in the midst of, of this enemy that was attacking them. And when the king said to them, you better bow down before me, they said, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't, I've decided to give my life to God and I can't, I can't, I can't do that. And the scripture says that they throw them bound into the fiery furnace. And I love the faithfulness of God because look at what it goes on to say in chapter three, verse 24. The King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Now listen, they are inside the furnace at this time. Now they're in it. The guards that went to throw them in it are dead. They're laying there, okay? They're dead. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men into the fire? And those around him were like, yeah, yeah, there was only three men. We, we bound them, we did that. We, we threw them in, there's only three. And he answered and, and said this, but I see four men. <laughs> I love it. Four men walking in the midst of the fire, unbound, and they are not hurt by the flames. And the fourth man has the appearance of a sons of sons of gods. 
he was off a little bit because he was the appearance of the only son of God, the only begotten, the, the lamb who was slain, right? He who was and is and is to come, the first and the last is he, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the great healer who is Jesus. This is who they're seeing as the fourth man. It's incredible to me because Jesus showed up the moment they called on his name. He showed up and protected them from the flames. And even more than that, he walked with them through the flames. And I love that because scripture says that he sticks closer to me than a brother. That he'll never leave me nor forsake me no matter how far I try to run. And if God is for you, who can, who can stand against you? And it goes on into verse 27. And I, and I love this. I love this. I'm about to tie this together in a minute. And the satraps and the prefectors, the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of a fire had even been on them. They couldn't even tell that they had been through the fire. They couldn't even tell that they were bound by anything. Listen to me, church. The enemy thought he had me. He thought he had me. He would have thought, didn't I? Didn't I see him struggling with $300 of heroin a day? Didn't I just see him on his grandmother's toilet crying, crying out and acting all beat up and he can't get off this drug? Didn't I see him bound by this heroin addiction? I mean, I threw him into the furnace and I bound him with this, with this drug. Didn't I see that? But how's come now I see him out walking free? How, how, how is that possible? How is that possible? See who the sun sets free, church, is free indeed. Where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty to live a life, an abundant life in him. The moment I called on the name of Jesus, he saved me. The moment I called on him. And so a decade ago, Okay, I'll rewind just for a second. A decade ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm gonna make your story just like it. And I remember saying, wait a minute, Lord, how, how do you do that? I didn't follow you, they did. God, God I, how, how do you, I don't understand what you're saying. They, they separated themselves unto you, I did not. You had to come get me. You had to come get me. He said, yeah, but this will show my faithfulness. This will show my faithfulness. And you'll be like them in this sense, that after I'm done saving you, no one will be even able to tell you are a drug addict. Your mind will be sound. Your mind will be sound. Your health will be intact. Everything will be as if it never happened. So that everybody will know, those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, all things are brand new. This is, the, this is the God that we, we serve. This is the God that we serve so that when people hear it. And it's so funny because after I gave the testimony yesterday, I had people come up to me and they didn't believe it. They said, well, well, well you don't look like you ever on, were ever on drugs. I said, thank you, Jesus. Like, I appreciate that God. God bringing his word to fruition. Because believe me, I'm not making it up, it was hell. But God brought me through the flames of fire. And listen, maybe today you're here and 
And man, you're struggling with something. You're bound by something. Maybe it's not drug addiction or, or anything like that, but there's something that is, has bound you. And the reason you're going through what you're going through is because of the things you even did. Maybe it's your fault. What I went through was my fault. It was nobody else's fault. I made the decisions to do what I did. But God is faithful even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. The moment that we call on his name, we shall be saved. He will rescue us from right where we are and pull us from the miry pit, set our, our, our feet on a solid rock. Come on, stand to your feet. Listen, this morning, if you're here and you're bound and you're struggling with something, know this, that Jesus is for you that he is for you, that he loves you, that it's his kindness that will draw you into repentance. He's not angry at you. He's not upset with you. He's for you. And I don't know, man, I felt like God was saying, man, people are being beat up right now, that the enemy keeps lying to them and saying all these different things that I'm not with them, that I'm not happy with them, that I'm not pleased with. Let them know that I am for them, not against them, and I will come the moment that they call on my name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness. God, we thank you that your word tells us that you are faithful and just to forgive us the moment that we repent and we call on your name. So Lord, you see each and every person's circumstances here this morning. And Lord, I pray that they would understand right where they are right now, that they're not too far gone. That God, things aren't too, too far for you to, to bring back in. That they're not too broken for you to restore. Whether that be loved ones in their lives or whether that be their personal life. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would feel, they would feel you right now starting to mend them and speak life over them. And I pray from this day forward, Lord, that, that they would understand that you are for them and not against them. And I thank you for that today, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We bless you, and it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.